Welcome to The Millionaire's Lawyer, where you'll hear leading professionals share expert advice on how to grow your business and sell it for maximum profitability. If you want to learn lawyer-proven strategies for building and exiting your business, then this is the podcast for you. Your host, J.P. McAvoy, is a business lawyer, college professor, and best-selling author who has been assisting clients start, grow, and sell their businesses for millions of dollars for over 15 years. Will yours be the next? Now here's your host, J.P. McAvoy. On today's show of The Millionaire's Lawyer, I am thrilled to have Milana Lashinsky here with me. She's an entrepreneur, business strategist, and marketing mentor to coaches, authors, and speakers. She's also an author herself. She's authored Coach Millions and Simplicity Entrepreneurship. We'll talk about those. And she went from being a classical musician from the Ukraine to building a seven-figure coaching business online. When she's not working on her business, she enjoys writing music and Latin ballroom dancing, I see, Melina. Isn't yes. that interesting? And I guess you've probably been doing that for years, haven't you? Actually, no. I've no? been aspiring to do it for years, ever since I saw the kids dance at the Soviet summer camp. Yeah. You know, where we are pioneers and then kids just do samba and cha-cha. Always was super jealous of other kids being able to do that. And then at 39, I discovered that I can too do that. <laughs> wow, at 39, you start with that. So I guess I gather when I say for years, so it's the, it's the classical musician. Music's obviously been in, in your blood. Um, rhythm, maybe, I don't know. Yeah, definitely something, something with music. Yeah, but I started playing when I was eight. And by 10, I knew that that's going to be my full-time career. I lived, breathed, slept music. Until I came to America. <laughs> Until I came to America, yeah. So it's so interesting. That's sort of the shift to the millionaire's lawyer. You obviously, uh, in America, have, uh, and I'm not sure to what degree you're still participating musically, but you've, tra- you've transferred uh, this, this knowledge to and applied it to the online world, haven't you, really? And you've really, you've really uh, been able to execute in your own right and are now showing others how to do the same thing, aren't you? Well, at the core, we are what we are from, from the early ages, um, and when you kind of strip everything and shed all the people's opinions and environment, you are left with how you've been all these years. So even through creating my marketing materials, I'm still that 10-year-old girl who loves to create music. Everything I do, it's still the essence. Like everybody has core essence of something they do. And um, when we're being pushed into doing things we don't like, uh, resistance, anxiety, depression, uh, unhappiness kind of start traveling into our lives. And we just need to like find what that core is, what our motivator, the, the inside, the internal, the inner voice. And let that, and let that inner child shine through, right? I mean, I, that's exactly. in part to, to allow people to shine the brightest. It's uh, from things coming there. Again, I know that's not your... Um, I mean, you're, you're really a marketing guru when we're talking about, right? Uh, is allowing people to take their message and shine a spotlight on it. That's what you've been do- doing and working with speakers and, and writers for the last number of years, haven't you? Yeah. So, um, you know, I started my business 20 years ago when I uh, had my second child, didn't like the local daycare center, watched my daughter um, sit in the heat under the sun while all the teachers were hiding in the shade. Wow. I grabbed my my one-year-old and I gave my two-week notice at the newspaper that I was working at that time. Uh, And that was like 2001 when everything was new and shiny and bright online. 
you could turn one way and be a pioneer in this industry. You can turn another way and you'd be a pioneer in another industry. It seemed almost like opportunities were plenty, just reach out and grab it. Now it's 2019, we're almost hitting 2020 now. Um, It's different. It's an overwhelming amount of information, resources, books, coaches, mentors, programs, events, workshops. It's just an abundance of resources to learn about any topic and market yourself. And so it's extremely overwhelming. So, and there's really no tool, no way to discern all the marketing that is out there. So what I do for people is we, we talk about how each person is very different. We identify their marketing, what I call marketing super skills. Based on your super skills, we then decide what the best ways would be to market for you. Just because somebody else succeeded with a strategy doesn't mean it'll work for you and vice versa. And when people are using strategies that are not natural to them, that are not based, grounded in their marketing super skills, what happens is they feel like, maybe I'm not born to be an entrepreneur. I feel so inadequate. I'm a failure. Like a lot of these negative thoughts start coming into our minds when we use the wrong strategies. Mm -hmm. marketing. So what I do is I make sure that my clients are super aligned between their natural abilities, natural tendencies, kind of like, what would you do if you were left to your own devices? Let's look at that. Because if you can market by simply being you, then your business and your marketing becomes an extension of your personality. And mm-hmm. that feels amazing to people. Mm-hmm. So how do you go through that exercise? Because I can appreciate, yeah, it feels great and it's very powerful, right? You see somebody yeah. that's in, in their place or their, uh, their place of power when they're doing what they do naturally. So how do you get people into that spot? Uh, well, I have an assessment, which I'm happy to share with your audience. Um, and at, by the end of the assessment, you figure out whether you are teacher, builder, connector, or champion. So there are four super skill categories. Based on where you score the highest, and we're looking at the top two, you start realizing like, oh my God, I'm a teacher and builder, but I've been marketing myself like the connectors and champions that my mentor has been telling me. No wonder I'm struggling. No wonder it feels so hard. and I feel so much resistance. So um, it, it's really about embracing the fact that you are who you are instead of trying to push and grind and work super hard to succeed in the strategies that do not come naturally. Right, a square peg round hole, right? We've all heard that Very saying before, so. so square peg yeah. round hole. So where are, the four, where are the four that you're describing there, Melina? Yeah, so a, they're a teacher, builder, champion, and connector. And so what's a teacher? Teacher is somebody who just needs to share information, answer questions. Um, they communicate their value through marketing uh, when they simplify um, complex concepts. Um, so if a teacher tries to market as a champion or a connector, they don't feel natural. And so it feels forced. It feels like they're trying to be somebody else and it doesn't work. But if teachers simply teach through information, through sharing, through Q and a, um, um, there's a thing called coach-a-thon, like a dance-a-thon where you just answer questions. Teachers love, um, they're motivated by the, by the idea of their, potential clients understanding something better. That's their like, the best compliment they might hear is, oh my God, I finally get it. That's what a teacher 
uh, personality is naturally drawn to. Okay. And what else we've got? Uh, what's the champion? The champion are, those are the people who really thrive on encouraging storytelling. Um, champions love being on video. Some extroverted champions like being on stage and most champions are also phenomenal coaches because they are very inspiring. You know, they, they love being out there. And by the way, each of these um, super skills comes with traps. So there are things that, for example, teachers sometimes overteach mm. and they never make an offer. Champions um, sometimes come across as unrelatable and distance themselves from their potential clients. So people feel intimidated by them. They cannot relate to them. So those are the other two. Then builder, and that's me where I'm the highest. So builder uh, is somebody who really thrives on creating, building, originating, cu- uh, you know, curating, collecting um, you know, all kinds of things like that. Okay. That's great. Uh, Milana. So the, the fourth, obviously the connector, tell me about the connector. Yeah. So connectors love bringing people together. They're, they, they love connecting people to people, people to resources. Um, they get an immense satisfaction from introducing people to each other, from creating, you know, f- from reaching out to people, right? And it doesn't necessarily mean that they love networking, by the way. A lot of connectors tell me they don't like networking. They like connecting. Heart to heart, deep conversations. And so the whole idea of these marketing super skills is that when you do these things within your natural marketing style, people value you. They see you. They hear you. They want to work with you. To give you an example, I've attempted to... Uh, learn, you know, to really master the skill of selling from stage. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, Champions are typically the ones who can do it really well. Um, Because I have a very low champion score, uh, it is not something that has come naturally to me. But I still, you know, that was before I even was aware of the idea of marketing super skills. And I attempted for 11 years. I pushed myself. I took different programs. I learned things. And then I thought, you know what? I'm just going to do what I like to do. And I like to do webinars. And then one day I did a webinar and within a week from the webinar, I made half a million dollars. And wow. I thought, why am I killing yeah. myself? Why am I torturing myself when I can just do what I do? A webinar is great for builders and teachers and I'm both. Um, and so it, it gave me permission to stop doing the things that I could, I would probably work much harder. Can I master it? Probably can. Um, do I want to spend my life mastering my weakness? I don't think so. So strengthen your strengths, not your weaknesses. Otherwise, at the end of your life, you're going to end up with a bunch of strong weaknesses. I don't know who said that. It's not original, but I love it. Yeah, that is great, isn't it? Because as you say, are you going to focus on that and try, you know, struggle through that to build that up? Or are you going to go further along by working with right. your strengths? Identifying, I think from what we said, what your strengths are, and then really, um, really getting the full potential from them. I think right. that's what we're talking right. about doing. So how do we do that? How do we, you know, so we have identified ourselves as, as a champion. How do, we, how do we make sure that we're reaching our full potential? Yeah. And by the way, it doesn't mean that if you're not a champion that you can't be on stage. You can't absolutely be on stage and you should. But with this new awareness that you are teacher, on stage you teach. Mm-hmm. And your call to action would be um, in, done in a way that allows you to teach. 
right? Versus selling and going the rah-rah way and the storytelling and the inspiring people with, um, you know, the, the motivational messages. That's what champions do, right? So you just do it differently. What you do is you always keep in mind the core motivator for your marketing super skills. Like for builders, it is originating, it's creating, it's sharing their unique and original ideas. If I look across my entire business of 20 years, whenever I stayed within my marketing super skills category, that's when I got to stand out. I got clients. I made a ton of money. And every time I failed, or so so to say, failed in a product, Not as successful anyways, right? Yeah, you're, you're outside of the, of the super skill you're describing. outside of my natural marketing style, right? Yeah. Uh, and the very last example that happened to me is that I actually started having anxiety and panic attacks because I was so misaligned with what I was doing my whole mind and body was resisting it. Hmm. Yeah. As you say, it's got the opposite effect as opposed to lifting you. It has the, uh, uh, the effect of, of keeping you down or pushing you down. And that brings all kinds of problems for itself. So, once, I mean, once you know, you can say, okay, I'm good. I'm great at this. I suck at that. I'm going to drop that. Um, a new program arrives in your inbox and you can evaluate it now with new understanding of, you know, will it be a good fit for me? Will it allow me to leverage my marketing super skills? If the answer is no, then let it go. It's okay. Mm -hmm. You don't need to buy just because somebody is doing a huge launch and you're feeling the FOMO, the fear of missing out. No more FOMO because you can, you know, logically, rationally with, you know, fully informed decision, you can say, not for me. That's right. Yeah. Not for me. Exactly. So, uh, you've identified and, and you coach this, the online summit that you described, obviously that falls within your super skill set because you've had great success there. Can you talk about what makes that type of program successful and what others can do to have or perhaps enjoy similar success? Yeah. Well, first of all, you can do a virtual summit regardless of what your marketing super skills That's are. That's right. You simply built it differently. You designed it differently. I was just talking to somebody who was a clear teacher. She wanted to design a curriculum. She wanted to like structure it. It's like, I'm a teacher. I want to teach. I want to make sure people get this result out of it. And then I have another person in my program who is clearly a champion and she just wants to interview people who will inspire the audience. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What I like to do is panel discussions. I like to bring people together, build some questions and ask people and watch them fight. No, <laughs> I, I just love doing panel discussions. So a virtual summit, uh, or you called it an online summit, is a multi-day event with multiple speakers. And it's my absolute favorite strategy to build your list, grow your tribe, you know, launch your brand, boost your revenue. I'm doing one in a few months uh, to launch my new software. So it's whatever you want people to become aware of do a virtual summit, the, the reason it works is because the speakers that you invite, they become your promotional partners. Right. Yeah. They're all invested. They're all invested. They, if you choose the right theme with a, you know, great angle or a hook, people will be proud and excited to share and spread the word. Oh, that's what, that's really powerful. As you say, it's a, uh, you know, more, more together, you know, creates, creates more uh, boats rise, right? Uh, boats rise. Uh, so for an, an online summit, what's the platform or how do you actually, how do you conduct that? What's, what does it look like? Um, it, 
your summit can look in whatever way you feel comfortable. When I first started, it was conference line on the phone. People would join in mm-hmm. by dialing a number. Now we've got social media. So I see some summit leaders uh, do Zoom and they pre-record interviews like this. Um, and then they share on, a, on their website, on their blog, uh, behind a password. I've also seen people run summits, uh, summit interviews live, like in their Facebook group, Facebook Live. So you can do that. Um, but there is no platform per se for a summit. It's just interviews recordings, a web page where people can sign up and a web page where people can buy their recordings if they miss. Right. Even that. So how have you built yours or where do you recommend people go to build those uh, types of products? Like, so the offerings, is it, uh, is there one vendor that you rely upon heavily or that you, uh, that you recommend people use? Well, I have a program that I teach to people to actually create their virtual summit. Is that, is that what you're asking? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah. how would you take, yeah. take us through that program, how you're, uh, how you're suggesting people work themselves through that? Yep, so I teach five steps, uh, and I'm happy to share a resource where you can start planning your virtual summit. Um, you, start, you start with uh, coming up with a really hot theme. That theme is 50%, if not more, of the success. Because if you choose yeah. the wrong theme, Nobody's going to sign up. Nobody is going to want to speak. Nobody's going to want to promote. You're not going to get the results you want. So hot theme. The second thing is designing your summit where you choose the topics and exactly what you're going to cover, how you're going to structure it, how you're going to get people engaged. The third step is inviting your speakers, choosing what speakers are going to teach, present, share. Um, I, I, we go over the criteria. Not every speaker is the right speaker for right. you. Identify the right people, yeah. Identify right people. Some people like to talk about themselves a lot and they don't really share anything valuable. So you have to, very much like in a podcasting environment, you have to know exactly how to filter those people who just will over-promote themselves. So speakers is one. And by the way, you don't need like A-level speakers. I teach the idea that actually it's much harder to work with somebody who is a, an A-level speaker. You have to chase them. They may not show up. <laughs> they will ruin your marketing. <laughs> yeah, and they'll, yeah, they'll, they'll steer head things into their own direction as well. Uh, and they will control the interview, right? Yeah. <laughs> so that's number three. Number four is monetization. How are you actually going to monetize your summit? Um, a lot of people think that by selling recordings, that's how they're going to monetize it. And you no, know, they can. you can certainly do that. But there are many other income streams. For example, you can make your own offer. You can invite people for a coaching program. You can sign up for every speaker's affiliate program and get paid every time somebody sells. So there's many different opportunities. Um, There's also the whole uh, idea of your summit being the cornerstone of your business. I work with um, Christine Closer, Mm -hmm. who uh, is a very good friend of mine. She lives like four minutes away. She was in my audience back in 2006, the very first time I taught the summits to entrepreneurs. And now she uses summits as the cornerstone of her business where she will do a summit at the beginning of the year. And then she sells to the people who signed up all year long. It is her biggest marketing strategy, the source of all her leads. And very powerful, as you say, if it's built out the right way with intention, right? And uh, if you're yes. in your, uh, as you say, you're in your best place or as your position best for that. You get to nurture these people. You get to nurture it all the way through, right? Uh, so where do you do the promotion and the marketing side of things? Where do you do that? I think we were talking oh. offline, a lot of Facebook. And let's yeah. not forget the, you know, the fifth 
Um, oh, okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. For the fifth which part. Which is exactly what it is, right? Yeah. It's actually filling your summit with participants. Right. Uh, the biggest strategy is making sure that your speakers, your promotional partners are inspired to share. Right. Uh, many times summit leaders unknowingly put pressure on their speakers and it doesn't feel good. It, it, it feels salesy. It feels pushy. It leaves a bit you know, like bad taste in their mouth and it ruins the relationship, which is kind of the reverse of what you want. What you're, you're, yeah. What you're intending to do with it. Right. It's, uh, right, it's, right. it's it backfires. Yeah. So you want to inspire them instead of pressuring them. You want to find yeah. ways to inspire them, do a great interview, uh, position them really well, give them great uh, marketing copy images that inspire them. And the biggest one is make sure that they feel proud about participating in your summit. Right. I was invited to participate in a summit about um, like trends uh, in my industry. Like, oh yeah, I, I'll talk about trends and I'll share. I've been invited to talk about trends in my industry. I'm in. So that is kind of like the best way to inspire summit speakers to promote. So that's the main promotion strategy, but you can also run Facebook ads. You can get sponsors. The very first three summits I did it was promoted by the International Coaching Federation. Okay. I was really excited about that. Um, they did that until they realized that they were not allowed to promote individual members. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Yeah. But I, I got lucky at that time, and I, you know, I'll take it. Uh, so, that for that promotion side of things, or the marketing, uh, I imagine a lot of uh, our listeners are business owners, right? Uh, and uh, maybe not using Facebook as much. I know that's a platform that you. Uh, uh, that you espouse, but what mm -hmm. other places? LinkedIn, obviously another spot. Like how would you encourage a business owner to get a message out about their specific business? My answer, JP, you know, it's going to be depending on your, your marketing super skills. Yeah. Right. If you are somebody who is um, high on connector, you will probably get much better results in reaching out to people, whether it's on LinkedIn or Facebook, it doesn't matter what the platform is, or maybe you go to local networking events and you connect with people, you pick up a phone and you call somebody, uh, or you go to networking events and you connect and you continue the conversation. See, I don't do any of that because I actually score zero on connector. <laughs> okay. You and I talked about LinkedIn. There's a yes. reason why I don't use it. <laughs> yes. Right. Now I do have a group on Facebook because I built a group on yep. Facebook. Right. So I'm very aware of the things that I love doing and you know, it, it all comes with experience, but now to me, it's super easy to say, yep, this is for me. No, this is not for me. Yep. I literally experience some kind of like a sick feeling in my stomach when I think about going to networking meetings, right? So I listen to that. I don't try to go against it. Could I grow? Could I get myself outside my comfort zone? Sure. But I would much rather get myself outside my comfort zone in webinars. What else can I do to improve my webinars? Oh, I can do automated webinars. I haven't done that yet. I need to master that. So stretch yourself outside of your comfort zone, but in the right direction right. for you, right? Um, so it depends on, you know, what kind of things you enjoy doing. I've always loved uh, creating events, creating platforms, creating um, telesummit, creating a community. It's funny, right? Because people are always amazed. Like, Milana, you created... Um, the world's biggest j joint venture community in the coaching industry, but you're not a connector. And so I have to kind of bring them back to the idea that, yes, you're right, I created it. I built a platform, 
I didn't go networking one person at a time. That's right. <laughs> that you built a platform, right? And they've come, right? They've come as a result. Yeah, that's yes. powerful. Real powerful. Yes. I want to talk about the building because uh, we, uh, we know when we work with our clients, I mean, as lawyers, we're involved uh, with the structuring of the, of the business, right? And help, uh, help clients build out their businesses. You're doing something similar on the marketing side of things as they build platforms and ways of delivering uh, some of their products and services. Um, as you've done this for others and as you've built out your own, you bump up against a few areas of law. For example, you and I were talking offline, trademark law as an example. Right? You've had a recent experience with that. Can you talk about what the, what the decision was that you made on that? I don't disagree with it at all, by the way. In yeah. fact, it's often the type of uh, advice I give the clients when I'm presented with the same situation. So can you talk through that with us? Well, so um, I've been talking about the idea of marketing super skills, and it used to be called um, unique marketing personality. I'll just reveal that right now. Um, up until a month ago, I uh, named it unique marketing personality. I came up with that. I bought the domain uh, years ago, and I decided to start using it more in my business. I decided to license it. I now have licensees who use uh, this assessment, this tool. Uh, system in their businesses. And I thought, I guess I need to trademark it, right? So I went and I hired a lawyer and she did research and she found out that somebody filed for the word marketing personality two weeks before I did. Wow. Two weeks. And I thought, wait a minute, I used it years ago. How is it possible? So it turns out somebody else uh, bought the, the website with that name and it was no longer available and I would have to fight it even though I was the first person to yep. come up with that. And I was completely in the right to fight it. I thought, you know, is it really worth it? How much money and time am I going to kill and waste on something like this? And so I sat down as a builder what else can I name it? What else can I come up with? This was not the very last possible name that I thought that was amazing. And so I remembered that I often use the word marketing super skills throughout explaining this tool. And I thought, nobody's using it. The domain is available. So marketingsuperskills.com was born a month ago, even though I've been using this tool for years, right? So it's just pick your battle, I guess. It just wasn't worth it to me. It wasn't that incredible or that unique I think it's, as you say, very wise, I think, because there's certainly a first use argument. And as you say, you could hire an attorney uh, to battle that uh, battle for you, or you make a decision. There's a business decision that gets made there. Uh, and frankly, I think, I think you made a great one. I think it's a great, uh, a great name. And uh, obviously you've, you now have trademarked that or you, you are yes, in the process of trademarking that. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> that'd be the next did. step is I'd say invest the money in actually getting it trademarked. Yes. And, uh, obviously yes. you're doing that. So that's great. You've got a name. Now, uh, how do you build stuff out? Do you, do you incorporate yourself? Do you create a corporation as you do things? Or uh, you work with a lot of solopreneurs. Do you advise people to incorporate? Or how do you uh, talk to them about that? I have an LLC. So I've had it for almost 20 years. Yeah. The moment I realized I'm actually going to be doing this full time, my business, I incorporate. And I remember trying to figure out the name. And my wise attorney at the time said, why don't you just call it Milana.com? That was my main website. I bought it for $300 from a Korean guy who wanted to sell it for $3,000. I said, find another Milana who is willing to pay $3,000 uh, or leave me alone. <laughs> and 
<laughs> so he sold it for $300. Uh, by the way, I've been offered thousands of dollars for that. Movie. I can imagine it's, a, it's worth more than that now. Yeah, you were yes. wise to have bought it back then. Yeah. All kinds of companies, especially in Europe. But, you know, so I named my company Milana.com LLC. And I'm so glad that I did because that's the one constant thing in my business. My brand, my direction, my product line changes every few years mm-hmm. because that's what builders do. We create, we find new things, we get distracted with new ideas and projects. And so I have one business name, but I have 150 websites, each one featuring a different project, product, program, resource, platform, software. So... Do you call those over time? I have, uh, it's an interesting as you talk about as a builder and I can appreciate that's why you've built them out that way. I've got some clients that say they've got a number of them and they, they call them on with regularity or they say, you know, we can't be invested into all of them. Uh, we can't keep pouring resources into all of them, looking at the ones that are actually producing and then, uh, maybe weaning yourself with some of the ones that aren't. Absolutely. Like for example, right now I'm only focused on two things, marketing super skills because it tremendously helps my clients. Um, and I'm developing, I'm almost done uh, releasing my new software for coaches uh, and experts who run live groups. So I have a group coaching software. So those are the two things that I'm focused right now on, but I can't tell you what it's going to look like in three years. Yeah, exactly. Well, it, cause it's, will be something else likely as you build, as you grow yeah. a business, this is exactly what we do with our clients. Cause we'll get consulted as they're doing these different pieces and saying, you know, they may need to trademark a piece of it. Uh, sometimes they'll break them out with separate companies, depending, especially if there's different shareholders or people are raising money for their individual projects. Uh, but certainly yes, business evolves over time. That's a big part of what well, we, of what and, we do as well. There is a lot of digital theft online. I experienced that very early on. My, I wrote three eBooks. I was selling them. A year later, I saw somebody else sell them on their website for wow. penny, and some were sold on um, eBay. And of course, I panicked because I thought these were the last, the only and last products I'll ever develop. <laughs> right? Twenty years later, I, I learned that um, you just have to kind of stay ahead. Okay, so the, you know that's what they did. Um, and I'm going to do something else, something new. So I never, I'm one of those people who doesn't like confrontations. So I don't fight. I create something new. Uh, You're being wise in that regard. That's a conversation we have frequently. You're making business decisions. And uh, a lot of times, as you say, there's a, there's a cost to fighting as well. It's your own energy and also physical resources, right? You're hiring people to fight maybe for you. Uh, Whereas you're, you're choosing to put those resources and that energy into building something new and really in doing so, you're probably staying at the leading edge as well, right? To each time you build or, you know, because business evolves as well. Technology has changed a fair bit over the last number of years. So you're, each time you're doing that, probably taking advantage of the latest and greatest, aren't you? Well, and also the idea that somebody can steal your information and sell it. It's almost, I want to say it's almost irrelevant right now because yes, people buy courses and yes, people still steal courses. But people also invest in coaching. You can feel that. And they invest in experiences. So events, retreats, communities, you know. So I kind of graduated from simply selling information because information can be easily um, sold, stolen, given away. There are people who literally build websites and put all of the courses that are being sold for thousands of dollars, they sell them for like $97. Yes. Can't keep up with that. So but you, what you can do is put your links to your coaching websites, to your services, to your other expert services, and hoping that those theft, 
you know, the stolen uh, purchases will uh, somehow lead to new clients. Lead back to you in any event. Yeah, this is true, right? So you may not get the sale of the course itself, but uh, if uh, it's designed properly, people resonate with it. They may come through in any event right. for some of the other offerings that you might have. Now, speaking of your offerings, uh, on a more positive note, how do people find you and your offerings and the types of things that uh, we've discussed here on the podcast today? Yeah. So I mentioned a few things. First of all, if you would like to know what your marketing super skills are, uh, go to my website, simplicitycircle.com slash super skills. Simplicitycircle.com slash super skills. It's free. You can get your results right away. You'll also be invited for a, a review session if you would like to talk further about your marketing strategy. More than happy to talk to you. So that's the first resource. We also talked about virtual summits. So if you want to learn more about how to do a virtual summit, you can go to summitsmadesimple.com. There is a free virtual summit planner that you can use to start planning your summit. I mean, just check out simplicitycircle.com for any resources uh, for my blog or if you just want to stay in touch, you know, uh, there is a copy of my book, Simplicity Entrepreneurship, that you can just request to download free of charge. All my uh, Simplicity Entrepreneurship philosophy on how to be your own guru in business. Oh, that's, and it's wonderful. It's, we're going to put all this in the show notes as well, Alana. So thank you for that. The things that you cite, there's a wealth of resources there, right? So for listeners to go through that and uh, think about some of the things you've talked about, but then if they self-identify with any of them, to make sure they explore deeper. So they're going to be in their own, in their own super set, in their own super skill, aren't they? Absolutely. Well, I mean, if you've been finding yourself working a little too hard, if you're feeling like you're losing the excitement or inspiration in your business, if you feel like you've been already working a lot, but you, you know, there's no, not much more you can add to your business, but you're still not getting where you are financially, chances are it's because you are not aligned with your marketing super skills. Um, I also teach the, the business models. It, chances are that you are also operating within the wrong business model, selling the wrong product offers, structuring them in ways that don't allow you to leverage yourself, right? I started several things in my business and I dropped them after months. The longest I've ever gone with the wrong product was a year. I was like, I can't wait to, to cancel that membership uh, program. It's not aligned with me at all. It's not, it's not me. And so you could be struggling with all of these things if you're working outside of your business model, outside of your marketing super skills. And most importantly, if you feel like you, your business has gotten um, a lot of complexity and you can't seem to figure out how to get rid of it, chances are that complexity comes from listening to other people investing in different solutions and not really following your style, your natural skills, your natural tendencies that will allow you to drop everything else. So that's how you get rid of complexity in your business. That's great. Just stop doing those things. It's just to stay away from them, right? Uh, the way we began this discussion, right? Letting that inner, and you know, we said even inner child come out, but what you have always been doing naturally, that path of least resistance is going to allow you to get to where you want to go much more easily. Well, and I really appreciate all of this. I think the listeners will get a lot from what you discussed today. I like to leave these episodes with sort of one nugget, one thing for the, for the listener to uh, brighten their day, take them forward. I sort of joking, they also began about talking about ballroom dancing and music. I see a piano behind you there. 
I'd yeah. love to ask you to stand up and if you don't mind, walk over. Can you do that? <laughs> can you put, can you put something, uh, cause I think it'll show up nicely on the, on the podcast and the listeners will get some flavor for that. So maybe perhaps a couple of words, uh, for, you know, for people to, to make sure that they are executing on their business model, you know, the super skills we described one nugget, if you will, verbally. And then if you like, we could end with a little medley. <laughs> That sounds great. I don't know how the sound will come uh, into my microphone, but hopefully uh, you'll be able to hear. The words I'd like to leave you with and your audience is, it's a quote, and I'm terrible with names, but I remember the thoughts. If it feels right, do it. If it doesn't feel right, don't do it. If you don't know, wait until you know. <laughs> That's, cool. That's your inner guru. That's your tuning in. And I'm happy to share something. Let's see if I can... Excellent. So as she walks over the piano, for those that are listening, uh, sitting down on a beautiful piano, uh, obviously going back to her inner child, and she's been playing since she was eight years old. We'll leave the podcast with a little bit of music. We look forward to having you next time on The Millionaire's Lawyer. listening to The Millionaire's Lawyer. Please subscribe and rate on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. To get your business millionaire assessed and to access the wide variety of resources that we offer in addition to this podcast, go to jpmcavoy.com. That's jpmcavoy.com.